Good morning, Fork and Socket listeners. Chester Franklin here. And as the late, great Rush Limbaugh used to say, I'm coming to you today with talent on loan from God. You are now listening to episode number 72 of the Fork and Socket podcast. And thanks for listening. I think I'm going to title this episode The Cobra. And I will get to why I'm titling this episode The Cobra in very short order. But first, I want you to put your seatbelts on. Make sure they're buckled and, and fastened. Because we're going on a ride today. We're going on a ride down memory lane. We're going back to the future like Marty McFly, you can you can call me Chester McFly today. Chester Franklin's taking the back seat. Chester McFly is at the wheel. I'm going to take you back to the early 2000s. Back when I was 15, maybe 16 years old, driving around on a learner's permit. And back at that age, I had a few favorite pastimes. Um, I'm just going to highlight the, the top three in this episode. And so I would say my favorite pastime, number one, my, favorite, my very first pastime and favorite pastime was spitting on people. Thus, the name of this episode, The Cobra. If I could say what my second favorite pastime was, it would probably be um, driving around with weapons, specifically guns, and even more specifically at that age, um, rifles, uh, in my vehicle. And you may be asking yourself, you know, Chester, do you still ride around with weapons in your vehicle? You know, and... I would have to answer to that, um, no, I mean, I'm not a criminal guys. I'm a role model now. I have six children. I have a wife. I can't, I can't do that anymore. And even if I still did do that, it's not up to you to know. It's up to the police to pull me over and find. So don't worry. You're pretty, innocent little heads. My third favorite pastime, I would have to say, would be, um, at that age, would be threatening other people with those weapons. And or their family members, such as their their fathers, their cousins, their older brothers, and in one case, even someone's older sister. 
but she was a very intimidating bull dyke. So I hope you understand where I was coming with that. I don't like to threaten women, but you know, nowadays I'm not even sure she'd be considered a woman. Uh, she, she would be considered a he probably now or even a they. So I exonerate myself. I recuse myself of any wrongdoing from threatening a early 2000s bull dyke. She had a wallet with a long chain on it. And one day I was not driving my car. I was riding my bicycle and she pushed me off of it. And I put a snub nose 38 to her temple. Capiche? Back in those days, I was a part of a gang. I won't say which gang or which color they represented. And let's just say maybe I wasn't exactly a part of the gang because um, it was a Mexican gang and I'm white. And furthermore, um, Mexican gangs, to actually be a part of it, you have to be jumped in. And I wasn't taking any licks for nobody. I was beat enough as a child from my parents. And I wasn't going to do that for any, any gang or any color. And you may be asking, you know, Chester, you're white. What are you even trying to do joining a Mexican gang? Why don't you... Or why didn't you try to join a white gang? Well, that answer is twofold. Um, first of all, I really, really, really love black people. The second part of that answer is, can you guess? Ding, 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 ding. I didn't have a motorcycle. So it was kind of out of the question for me. Because even though white gangs don't jump you in, the bare minimum requirement is a leather vest and a motorcycle. Those are the bare minimum requirements. So I decided to fake join a Mexican gang. So basically what I would do for this gang is um, because I wasn't jumped in and wasn't actually a member, I would just uh, I would just listen to a lot of Tupac and I would um, fight people that had a different color on than the color that I was, I guess, representing. I was more of a representative of the gang. And I represented the gang quite well. 
and had a quite a quite good uh, record track record, and I was offered to join. But again, I was beat enough as a kid, and I was just good enough, um, good enough off, well enough off without actually getting jumped in. I just represented. Well, as a representative, there was a, a younger brother of one of one of the gang members that um, that I represented, and he was also a gang member, and he threatened this this person of the opposite gang threatened my my friend's younger brother and so in front of everybody i i he went to my school and in front of everybody i stood up for my friend's younger brother and i spit on that gang member and the reaction that i got from everybody Looking back, you know, in hindsight, um, it wasn't very conducive to further success in my life. But it was a positive response. And for the, the next few days, I got a bunch of high fives. I got a bunch of um, slide fives. Down low fives. Everyone seemed to be very, very proud of me for spitting on this guy. And all I was doing was defending a friend. So after that, I kind of let that hype get to my head. One day, again at school, I was, um, I was walking down the hallways... And there was this girl, and uh, she was she was kind of mocking me because you know word had got around at that point that you know I always had a gun on me, and she was walking down, following me down the hallway one day at school, and this is what I heard. <coughs> Because she was a fat bitch, right? I heard that. But um, she was more than a, a fat bitch pig. She was that pig. You know, like she. Some women would be like, I'm that bitch. She was that pig. She was like Wilbur. From Charlotte's Web. She was some pig. And she was feeling herself one day and was following me down the hall and was like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm Chester. I'm Chester. I, I got guns in my car. And, you know, I was never one to be played with. And. 
I'm coming down off my high of of spitting on, you know, the uh, that opposing gang member who was messing with my my friend's younger brother. I was coming down off that high. So, what do addicts do when they're when they're coming down off of a high? They take another hit of that shit, and so. I needed to fix that craving. And this was the impetus impetus to do that. So I turned around and I spit on her. And everyone in the hallway stopped and paused. And she stopped and paused for a second as, as my loogie was starting to kind of run from from her eyebrow and it started to kind of drip down over her eyelid and everyone paused and was looking at me like oh shit he did it again Chester's back and I said you're goddamn right well I said that to myself in my head And after a brief pause, she was carrying a thermos in her hand. And so inside of that thermos was some hot cocoa. And when she came to her senses, she attempted to pour it on me. But I'm a I'm a bobber and weaver. You know, I've been in boxing. I'm a I'm a street fighter and a boxer in the ring. So I weaved, I bobbed and I weaved and she tried to pour the hot cocoa on me, but it, it missed and it went all over the floor. And I told her at that point, seeing that I, that I dodged catastrophe, I told her now go wash yourself off in the sink. You pig bitch. You smell like ham. And again, at that point, I had an audience. And I felt like Eddie Murphy or Richard Pryor at the height of their stand-up careers with all the applause that I got. Little did I know later on that I would actually be a comedian and all these jokes would come handy. Back then, I was a a no-name. And so... It's really crazy that that spitting on a bitch would lead to my comedy career 20 years down the line. And again, I was I was getting the slide fives, the low fives, the high fives. And every once in a while, somebody trying to outdo me thought they were a wise guy gave me a a too slow joke. At what point? At which point I started to kind of hock a loogie back, and they got on their merry way because they didn't want to be another victim of the cobra. Now, the one thing that I didn't know about this girl that I spit on was that she came from a family of killers. Her 
family member is doing life right now, a life sentence, because he decided he wanted to be like Gucci Mane. He wanted to kill somebody and thought it was a good idea to drive around with the dead body in the passenger seat of his car for a couple days. And that somebody was his wife. And his wife may or may not have been this girl's aunt. So you can see now I was in a conundrum. Yeah, I, I, I gained, uh, I gained the, the admiration of my schoolmates. I created a, a public spectacle of a habit that I had and an infatuation of spitting on people. But the thing is, that was inside the schoolhouse. And as everyone discovers one way or another, uh, eventually the last bell rings and you have to go home. And you have to go back out into the world where there's not going to be any witnesses at times. And there's not going to be any crowds. And there's not going to be any uh, teachers, principals, um, you know, schoolyard security. You know, you're not on school grounds after that last bell rings. You're in the jungle. Lucky for me, I've always been a hyena. And I wasn't really much worried because... Going back to to habit number one. Wait, no. Going back to habit number two of mine back at that time. Um, I had guns on me. I kept a, a, a 410 shotgun in my trunk. And then I had another rifle in my trunk. I, I know it took two, two, three rounds. But I don't remember... Um, exactly which gun it was. So I had those, so I wasn't worried. Until I found out that this girl's family member just killed her aunt and um, was not yet arrested at the time, but was well known. And reality set in really quick. So what happened was I went home Everyone knew where I lived. I said in a previous episode, I was raised in a small town of only about 11,000 people. So everyone basically knows everybody else, you know, everyone's connected. And so for the next two or three days, I sat next to my car that was parked out in front of my house. I sat right there next to my car with the trunk popped and my rifle locked and loaded. In case I had to kill this maniac that rides around with dead bodies in his front seat. 
And luckily it never came to be anything. And so I just went on with my life. Well, now, fast forward a year or two. I went to a friend's house. He had a house party. And it was a place that sometimes me and my other friends, my more hood friends, would would go over to his house because he was more of a nerd. I'm going to call him Aaron. And we would go over to Aaron's house and just ring his doorbell just to see if he was home. And if he answered, we would walk in. We would sit on the couch and watch him play video games. And as he was doing so, we were sending out mass text messages that, hey, there's a party at Aaron's. And within 30 minutes to an hour, um, people would start filing into Aaron's house. And um, he didn't have the balls or the backbone or, quite frankly, even the strength to um, stop what was going to occur. We were going to have a party at his house. And that's exactly what we did. Now, the whole reason of me bringing up Aaron and the house party at his house was... um, One time, we were there and we were doing a bunch of cocaine. Somebody brought a few eight balls of cocaine... And the party was was getting real, uh, real live, if you will. And there was this girl that I kind of liked, you know, I was interested in a little bit, not too much because she was a whore, but I was into her enough for me to be willing to fuck her. The problem was she got coked up. And was talking reckless. And that reckless talk ended up being directed at your boy. Chest to chest. A.K.A. the Cobra. So you already know what time it is with me, man. I hocked one back. And and spit on that bitch. She was not very um, excited about that because there was maybe 30 of us present and no less than 10 people witnessed me spit on her. Half of those people didn't know about my reputation. But after that, they did. The Cobra. And she was shocked. And she says, I'm calling my dad. And she said it kind of similar to that, too. I'm calling my dad. I said, good. Call him. Call him. And her dad was a gang member um, from a prison. He, He was a prison gang member. And as was my protocol back in those days, um, I had a gun on me. 
So I, I, I pulled out my gun. It was a pistol. That was probably a, a 32, maybe a 380 at that age. And I kind of, um, I twirled it around my finger. I had the safety on and I just twirled it around my finger because it, it was locked and loaded. And I said, you know, go ahead, call him. But it would be a shame if I shot him in the stomach and had him sitting on the curb waiting on an ambulance. And so then she kind of like thought twice about it and then didn't call her dad. And then she ended up uh, at that time, I think I was about 17 at that time, um, and I had a Vespa style scooter. She ended up riding on the back of my scooter to, um, at that time I, I, um, was renting. I moved out of my house before I even graduated high school. I, I moved out and I was, um, renting a, a bungalow, which was basically like a studio apartment on somebody's property. And she rode on the back of my Vespa and came home with me and we had sex. And so I had a lot of good memories back in my teenagehood, and that's how I got the name The Cobra, because I would spit on people. And I didn't have a nickname for, for carrying guns, and I didn't get a nickname for threatening people's families, but, um, you know, it, it, it came with the name. It was just something that I had to do. Like, when you spit on somebody, that's the ultimate disrespect. So you have to be prepared and you should probably keep a gun on you if you do decide to do that to somebody and, and follow my example. But as you see, and as I've illustrated, it does pay off sometimes. And if you spit on the right person with the minimal amount of self-respect, if any self-respect at all, um, you can actually get pussy out of the deal. And I'm not sure I really have anything really further to say about that story. It was just a, a brief two to three years of my life where I was just infatuated with, with spitting on people. And um, I don't regret it. And nobody ever spit on me. But that was probably because of the guns again, you know. And so at this point, I think I'll just leave you with that, that little memory, that little, that little, what do they call it? A wink in time. Is that what that Oprah movie's called? A wink in time? A wrinkle in time. And thank you for listening, and thank you for allowing me to vent out about that wrinkle in time. As I sit here, um, time has also brought me wrinkles. And I appreciate being alive long enough with the behavior that I displayed back in those days 
I do appreciate um, being able to be old enough to see gray hairs coming out of my face and and wrinkles developing because not everybody is so fortunate. Especially when you're faced with uh, prison gangsters and, and murderers and you're spitting on their sons and on their daughters. So go out there today, everybody, and um, if you're feeling wild, spit on somebody, but if not, I would just advise, just be the best person you can be and live the best, longest, most fulfilling life that you can, unless spitting on somebody will, will fulfill you, then I say definitely do it. Well, this was episode 72, I think I'm going to leave it there. Why not? I hope you guys have a good rest of your day. And as I always let you know and always remind you, because you are my children. You are children of Chester. You are my flock. I love you. I appreciate you, but even more than appreciating you, I love you. And you take care out there and you be safe. Bye-bye. Ha 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 ha!